Welcome to the Embodied CEO Podcast. I'm Kirsten, and while I'm an integrative performance dietitian by trade, a mom of three, and a wife, I am also a nearly two-decade entrepreneur turned business mentor, and I've seen all sorts of iterations of how to do business. And I'm tired of female business owners not fully stepping into their power because the road we've been told we have to take to get here sucks. In this podcast, I'm empowering entrepreneurs to trust their voice and expertise, to start thinking big when it comes to their business, and to move forward unapologetically toward goals that don't have to make sense to other people. Let's have the big conversations. Let's lay it all out on the table. And let's support each other forward in this crazy journey of entrepreneurship. Oh, and let's have some fun while we're doing it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Embodied CEO Podcast. I am so excited to have a special guest with me today, Brandy Mabra of Savvy Clover. She's going to tell us all about her business in just a second. We were just talking about it. it took a couple of tries for us to get together because this is what happens when you run businesses and life gets in the way and you have to reschedule and then reschedule your reschedule because sometimes this is just life. But Brandy, I'm so happy to have you with us. Finally, welcome. Thank you so much. We made it. We did. Yes. That's half the battle. We got into the same place at the same time. That's half the battle. Okay. So you are a very busy mom like myself. You are also a very busy CEO like myself, and you have a really unique skill set that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But give us some background, kind of what do you do? Who are you? What's your business about? Tell my listeners kind of what you're all about. Yeah, yeah. I am Brandy Maybra, the CEO of Savvy Clover Coaching and Consulting, and I'm a CEO coach for private practice owners. So I work in the healthcare space with different practitioners and making sure that they're set up for success when it comes to hiring, engaging their teams, operations, making sure that they're streamlined, efficient, effective, all that good stuff, understanding their financials, you know, how to make decisions as a CEO, and then making sure that they have the right partners when it comes to their business and making sure that they just have a strong CEO mindset. So I love the work I get to do. I'm very, very blessed. And I'm just excited to be able to wake up every morning and be like, yay, compared to some of the jobs I've had in the past where I'm like, man. <laughs> compared to the jobs where you walk in and at 8.05, you're like, is it five o'clock yet? Do I get to leave? Because this is the worst. And now I just have to sit here and stare at my screen for eight hours and pretend that I'm happy and make small talk with people I don't want to hang out with. Yeah. Never been there myself. No idea. Does not sound familiar whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone can relate. <laughs> right. I think everyone can relate. And this is why most of us become entrepreneurs, I think. But you said two things just now that I kind of want to talk about. You said give people a strong CEO mindset, make sure that that's where they're operating from. I find that to be such a huge shift in my clients because most people are like, I'm passionate about this thing. So I want to do a business with this thing, but they don't recognize that when suddenly your your passion becomes a business, you have to shift how you operate and you now have to be CEO of a business. And that is kind of a surprise I find for a lot of people. Do you find that with your practice owners that they're like, oh, shoot, now I have to operate like a CEO? Yeah, yeah. Like you have a company, you know, something that like you actually grew and have money coming in and people who are looking to you to be in the right place, headspace and definitely have the vision and the mission and, you know, have the clarity that you need and you can't be disorganized when it comes to that. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can't make random last minute decisions because there has to be a vision and a mission and a long-term plan. And now other people's livelihoods are tied up in your whims and you can't just fly by the seat of your pants anymore. What, what a concept. You said practice owners. Is it mostly brick and mortar? That's who you work with? Like folks who have a physical business that people walk into for healthcare needs? 
Well, actually, no, I work with online healthcare practice owners and then also to, you know, the brick and border traditional. But because of everything that happened with the pandemic and COVID, it really allowed for different type of specialties to actually make that transition and to add like a telehealth aspect to their business. So there are some folks who have definitely ran with that and have even shut down their brick and mortars and fully function online. And then there's folks who have a hybrid in between, just depending on what they're trying to build and who they're trying to serve. So it's really been fun just to see the change in the space. Some of the things I saw even during COVID where they would have plans that would take like 24 months. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, actually we got this done in like one week. <laughs> you know? So yeah, yeah. So it's just been really fun just to watch just the efficiency that's happened because of just because of the circumstances. I feel like that was the one sort of silver lining if we can assign one to the pandemic, right? There weren't many, but if we can assign one, I feel like that was a huge wake, like awakening for a lot of people to recognize that we can get so much done when we're under pressure to do it? And then why are we taking so long and dragging our feet on things that really aren't that complex to execute? You just have to make a decision and go and not second guess every step of the decision and sometimes just say, we're going to make the decision and whatever happens, happens. And then we're going to course correct as we go. I feel like we all kind of instinctively knew that ahead of time, but made a thousand excuses for why we can't do things that way until suddenly we were forced to do them that way and look where we are. Like we can do all these things online and we can grow these practices and we can grow our businesses and we can serve a lot of people in a lot of places. Places without the complications that we put in our own way prior to the pandemic. So that was kind of a beautiful thing. But before we get too deep into business, I want to hear more about you because I scoured your website because I do that and I kind of cyber stalk you a little bit before you're on my podcast. You have a unique kind of journey of how you got here and it wasn't always easy. Will you give people a little bit of background of kind of the rough spots that you went through to get where you are right now and what kept you going? What was motivating to kind of get you to where you are now as a very successful CEO of your company? Yeah, yeah. I always talk about like it's a long winding road, but I think that's entrepreneurship in general. If you would have told me years ago that like I would even be sitting here doing a podcast, I'd be like, oh no, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Isn't that all of us though? Most entrepreneurs are like, if you had told me then, (laughs) right? And then here we are because life comes and slaps you upside the head at some point and you wake up and you do. But anyway, continue. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's so true. Yeah. So I started out in healthcare and and, you know, worked my way up through corporate ladder and had a pivot where I actually moved from Ohio. I'm in North Carolina now. And as soon as I landed, I was like, okay, what can I do? And so when I was in Ohio, I had started like an internship program and got some really great management experience. And so my first job here was management leadership. And so during that time, I learned really quickly, got some additional education, picked up some really great leadership skill sets, and took it and ran with it. So at the time, I was a single mom and just struggling to make ends meet, you know, all the things. And so talking about like that pressure, that was me. So what can I do in order to get to a place in my career where I can make the most impact, make the most money, you know, and still take care of my son. And so that was with management, that was with leadership. And so over the years, I was able to get into a couple of C-suites, especially being a Black woman and just some of the youngest ones at the table, the only woman sometimes at the table, like all the things. And that was such a, a really rewarding experience for me. However, during that, because I was so dedicated, I started to work early mornings and late nights and weekends and started to really lose track of, you know, what am I doing? You know, not owning my CEO status, a lot of where my message comes from is because 
I wasn't utilizing my team enough. I wasn't honoring my boundaries. I was, you know, not taking care of myself, like all of the things. And so I ended up in a place of being burned out and you just can't function that way. Right. And so at some point I had to decide to make a decision and to definitely put my team in a place to be successful, to put myself in a place to be successful. And once I did that, then things changed for the better, for sure. So fast forward, it's funny how life happens because everything that I went through in that journey and just being able to go from overwhelmed and stressed and tired and wanting to give up to a place of being empowered, to a place of being comfortable saying no, to a place of, you know, definitely asking for more money, like during the course of my career was everything that I teach today. So that's kind of the short story of it, (laughs) you know, so some of the bumps along the way. I think just trying to figure out where's your place in the world, what's your purpose and why are you here? It's definitely been my journey. And I think we're all evolving as we go through things too, but everything happens for us. So yeah. I love that. And you know, it's always interesting. Uh, and I had a conversation earlier with somebody <laughs> unrelated to this, but I, uh, she was asking who I work with. And I said, I work with women because men are not often very coachable. <laughs> and I love men. And I don't mean that in any negative, but everything you just said as women that resonates with every single one of us, right? We get to a point where we're like, I'm so burnt out. And I'm just spinning my wheels and I'm going and going and going and going and it's becoming harder the more I'm pushing. That doesn't make sense. So as women, we stop and we pause and we go, wait a minute, maybe what if I lean back a little bit? What if I, you know, lean out a little bit and prioritize my own well-being and put up a bunch of boundaries and lean on my team? And I think a lot of men, especially in business leadership roles, it's all about that power move of continuing to plow forward. And for us, it's a lot more about let me utilize all the places where I have resources and empower everyone else to shine. One of my main goals with what I do in business has been, and I've never really verbalized it a whole lot, but it's I want to empower women to be powerful women. And most of us don't lean into that because it feels overwhelming. It feels scary. It feels like no one's going to listen. It feels like, you know, we're going we're gonna to swim upstream. But when we're in that situation, like you just described, where we have a leader, where we have a CEO, where we have a sister, where we have somebody who is going to put us in a place where we get to shine and do our best, and it offloads from that same leader and that same leader doesn't become burnt out, we all do better. The business does better and we all make money in a much easier way than if we're on that power path of I'm just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So we learn it the hard way. I think most of us in this position, right? We get to a point where we're burnt out and then go, this is not sustainable. What am I doing? And then it's either a crash and burn or it's a hard pivot, but we're all kind of hit in the face with that at some point. Here's the fork in the road and now it's time to decide. Like, are you cut out for this and are you willing to shift or are you going to continue to beat your head against the wall? So I'm sorry you had that same rough journey, but I think most of us have to go through that in order to come out the other end empowered to do what we're meant to be doing. Absolutely. And it's it's definitely a hard lesson to learn. And so even yesterday I was asked or I was working with a client and she asked me, you know, just when it comes to her team, like how do you put boundaries in place for yourself? How do you say no? How do you, you know, not work all the hours and without feeling like a bitch, right? And so you don't want to come across as, you know, like, oh, I am on this power trip. You know, I'm the boss and you have to do what I say. And so when it comes to leadership, leadership is definitely about empowering the team that you have and making and helping them be successful in, in their journey too, right? So we're all in a place of being able to grow. And so when you come from that perspective, it's a win-win for everybody. And then if you're really clear on what that vision is, what that mission is, where you're going, 
why you need for your team to, you know, why you're asking them to do what you need them to do, then it can be very, very powerful. And so I love what you're saying, because it is like, we all have the ability to own our power. We all have the ability to make a choice. We all have the ability to decide. I'm not going to be tired. I'm not going to be burnt out. I'm not going to rug myself ragged. I'm not going to put myself last. I'm not going to really destroy myself for something that I wanted so so much. And it's the same thing with our businesses too, is that we always have a choice. We have a choice even more now. And sometimes we don't feel like we have the choice, but we really do. And I also think the communication piece of that is so crucial, right? When we're honest with our team and everyone around us of here's where we're going, because I think so many people don't let those that support them in on the path. If you let them in on that path and like my team knows exactly, here's my vision, here's what's in my brain, here's what we're working toward. And here's why I sometimes do a hard pivot. Here's why this sometimes doesn't work. Here's why we sometimes drop this dead weight, but need to step it up over here. It's because I keep them on that train with me and I clearly communicate and let them know what's happening, your team is so much more likely to jump on board and go, hell yeah, I'm I'm in this. I want to support you in this. And the part you said about, you know, we don't want to come across as a bitch. I think this is so much conditioning, especially for women, that if we put a line in the sand and say, this is how far you can push me and then it's a hard no, we assume that that's going to come across as bitchy behavior. But again, if any man said that same thing, everyone would just go, cool, okay, that's his cutoff point. So that's very much a, you know, an, a, an, a skill we have to unlearn or rather a skill we have to learn and a conditioning we have to unlearn that that's not what that is. A boundary is not off-putting. A boundary is simply saying, this is how we're going to do this so we all function properly so that everybody is going to you know, still be standing at the end of this journey. So I love that. Okay. I'm speaking of pivoting. I'm going to pivot a little bit because I want to get to this point. You have managed through this difficult journey and now building this beautiful business that you have to get in front of a lot of the right eyes and to get a lot of recognition from people. Tell me what sort of your approach has been to getting recognized because what what a lot of my clients are always wondering, and I call it boots on the ground, but you know, so many of my clients build their businesses online and then they struggle to have any sort of understanding of, well, where else do I get visible? And in my opinion, it's always been your business is an extension of you. So literally every time you interact with a person, you need to get visible. They need to start to understand who you are. And that goes back to standing in your power, right? To not, oh, and I have this little hobby that I do as a business on the side. No, no. Like you lead with it front and center. This is who I am. This is what I do. But tell me kind of what your approach has been to getting visible and getting eyes on what you do and getting in the right room, especially as a woman. And then especially as a woman of color, definitely in the minority in those decision-making rooms, usually. What have you done to kind of get to there. Yeah, thank you for that. But I have just gotten over myself. And that's the hardest thing. And it starts there to really own that power and decide, I'm going to make an impact, I'm going to help more people, I deserve to be in the rooms, and there's nothing that's going to stop me from being in the room. And so it starts there first with the mindset, and then having the clarity for what rooms do you want to be in, right? So what rooms are you envisioning yourself in, and going through that process? And why do you want to be in there? You know, what do you want to do? once you get there. And so for me, it's always been that way. So even with my career, you know, 15 plus years, you know, how I ended up in C-suites was because I was never afraid to talk to somebody. And I'm an introvert. So for me to actually say, hey, hi, I'm here, takes a lot of courage. However, you know, what you're saying is true, like you lead with yourself, but also like your performance, how you show up. And so when I was in my corporate career, then I did really great things in the positions that I was in and the management positions I was in. So I put myself in a lot of really great rooms just because I was being awarded. So it started there. So because I was already in that room, then I started to be recognized. And so once I got into my business, 
I started to do the same thing. Like, what can I do to put me in a place of authority? You know, what does that look like? So that looks like, you know, networking in bigger rooms, speaking on stages, getting on podcasts, you know, getting published, really putting out your thought leadership. And then, you know, from that, it just builds and it builds and it builds. And then on top of that, when you're working with folks, especially for the clients that I have who are amazing, you know, I make sure that I am treating them well. I make sure that our client experience is definitely on point. I make sure that my team, you know, they understand the vision and the mission. So that way, when they're in interacting with our clients, or if they're definitely doing work on my behalf, they understand why we're doing what we're doing. And so it really starts with you, like you set the tone for everything. But it starts with courage, you have to just it just starts with one connection, one person, you know, just to see and so if you're nervous, especially from an introvert perspective online, it's great. It doesn't stop you like you can always send an email, you can always send a DM, you know, you can do things in order to put yourself in spaces that don't feel so scary. And then for offline, you know, try to put yourself in, I always say in front of the room. So if you are so nervous to be in the room, then put yourself in front of the room. So how can you do that? So a lot of the partnerships that I have, you know, it's because I've been part of like community groups and things because I networked with the director and asked, do you need any help? Like I would always go straight to that person. So that way I could become more of the helper or the networker or, you know, kind of the ambassador compared to being just an attendee. And again, it's all about that place of authority. And there's so many things that you just said that I want to touch on because it resonates so much. The first one, you said that technically you're an introvert, right? Seeing you here and having this conversation, nobody would think that. But I always say the same thing. My my oldest child, who's about to turn 15, she hates it so much because if she had her way, we would have parties at the house all day, every day, and all the people would be over. And I'm like, no, this is my safe zone. Like, I don't mind seeing people out in the world but like in my personal space, please go away. Right. But I am by nature, a very introverted person, not as in I I'm shy around other humans, but very much like I need time to recharge. I have, you know, like my social battery runs out pretty quickly. And then I need a couple of days to like, just be in my cocoon and recharge. I think people take that as an obstacle for building entrepreneurship. And it isn't, it simply means that you have a lot more um, introspection before you kind of step into spaces, which I honestly look at as an asset, as opposed to an obstacle. We have a really great ability as introverts to read other humans, because it's usually from a let me decide whether I want to step into that space with you kind of perspective and let you into my space. So all of these things aren't issues that prevent us from getting in front of the room or into the room. These are things we can use to our advantage when we're willing to have that courage. And you just said a second piece about, um, you know, you had a lot of accolades and awards and achievements from your other jobs. And I feel like as women, we do such a disservice to ourselves when we downplay our accolades. I just talked about this in one of my programs recently where we go to school and you have kids, so we know this, right? Like your kid comes home from preschool and they bring you the worst drawing you've ever seen in your whole life. You're like, it is literally like a drunk person fell onto a pan, a can of paint and they splattered it on something. Your kid's like, it's an elephant, right? And you are so proud of this and your kid is so proud of this and you put it on the fridge and you show the family, you send a picture to grandma and like the kid talks about this, the three-year-old talks about this for weeks and then we go to middle school and then we go to high school and then we still go to college and we still talk about it, right? We, we, we celebrate our college graduation. It's this big deal. But then what happens right after and who says once you graduate college, you are no longer allowed to celebrate your achievements because why are they less after college? They are still just as amazing as that drunken sailor picture that your three-year-old drew of an elephant, right? And we stop. <laughs> celebrating that and we downplay them because we think it's somehow bragging, but it isn't bragging. It is the the advertisement and the PR and the acknowledgement and the authority that your ideal client is waiting for. 
they are waiting for exactly the person that can show, look at, I've done this and I've done this and I have experience here and I understand how to do this because I've stepped through all of this. And we do ourselves such a disservice when we think, okay, I have to stop after college talking about what I've achieved. I have been an entrepreneur on and off with my husband for 20 years. If I downplay all of those things and just quote unquote focus on the time when I happen to be a stay at home parent for four years while our kids were itty bitty, then that's what I'm reduced to. And please don't mistake me saying a stay at home parent is less than because it's the hardest freaking job I've ever done in my entire life, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's all of these things add up to make us who we are and make us perfectly qualified for a, our exact ideal client to do what we do. So I love that you just said you can be an introvert. But you have to have the courage to talk about your accolades and your achievements to then be in the room and simply remember that you are no less than the people that are openly talking about their accolades or the people that have a certain title or whatever. You are the same as, you know, the 65-year-old white male executive that happens to be owning that room because he doesn't have an ounce of humility in his body. <laughs> we are the same from a capability perspective, but it's when we purposely shut ourselves out of that room because that courage feels really hard, we're missing every opportunity that's happening in that room. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We get stuck in our own, you know, nervousness. And I think it goes back to, I don't want to come across as a know-it-all, or I don't want to come across as being a bitch, or I don't want to come across as, you know, being rude. Like it goes right back to that mindset. And it's the opposite. Like people need for you to show up and to stand up for what you've done and to show like, hey, I've been able to do this. If I can do this, you can do this. Right. And I know even for me, I need to see that in order to keep going and to really strive for the next thing. If I can see somebody, if I can see an example of like, oh, okay, one of the things that I, I definitely feel blessed that I've had, like the mindset that I've had, even when I first got into management, was I always looked at my boss, you know, like, okay, what credentials do you have? You know, if you're doing this, I think I can do it too, you know, and so that's how I ended up with my graduate degree. <laughs> that's how I ended up with different certifications, you know, that's how I've ended up in, you know, doing like some of the classes that I ended up doing was because I was always looking at that person who was in the position above me, you know, and what do I need in order to get promoted? And so with that, I took that same mindset into my business. You know, what do I need in order to be promoted? You know, what do I need in order to make more money? What do I need to talk about in order to make sure that people know that I have a specific skill set, that I can really help them, that I can definitely make a difference? You know, what do I need? So it's really just taking the courage and the confidence in yourself and what you bring to the table and just talk about it. It's imperfect and as uncomfortable as it might feel. And it never gets totally like, oh, yeah, you know, there's always times where I second guess it. But at the same time, somebody needs to hear it. Somebody's waiting for you to talk about it. And we are just human. And I always say, especially with mentorship, right? You just said you look at the person above you. Same with mentorship. I've always had business mentorship for that same reason. This is why I mentor others. But I also have mentorship because I'm always like, what is the next echelon? What is the next thing that I want to perfect, the next skill that I want to learn? And when we don't look at that as a, oh, that feels uncomfortable, but instead look at it as that is me expanding my business's biggest asset, which is me. <laughs> if I'm not my business's biggest asset, then I am not running my business properly, right? And if I'm refusing to acknowledge me or refusing to acknowledge my skill set or what I've already done, to me, that's sort of like if I have to have knee surgery and the orthopedic surgeon is like, well, I don't want to talk about how good I am. Like, I'm okay. I'm sorry. I want a different knee surgeon. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, could I get the guy who's like, I am exceptional at what I do because I've done this for 20 years. I'd rather have that guy take my knee apart. Right. So again, it's like we look at certain professions where we expect that and want that. 
But when it's us, we think that that is somehow overstepping. But don't you want your clients to see the absolute best version of who you are and what you do? And like you said, then the second portion of this, which is vital, you have to then deliver exceptional client experiences because that's why they stay, right? I love all of that. Tell me when your team is kind of looking for you to, or for looking on your behalf to find places for you to be exposed to other opportunities, do you have sort of characteristics that you're looking for? Do you flush out like, we want to be in these kind of rooms for this reason? What's sort of your criteria for finding the right spaces to put yourself in front of people? Yeah, yeah. We always have like, we have our ideal person. You know, what is our, who is our ideal person? What are their struggles? What rooms do they hang out in? And so, for example, I have a speaking engagement in Vegas next month. And so, with that particular, just pitching myself for that, it was okay, who's going to be in the room? All healthcare practitioners. That's my person, right? What are some of the struggles that they might be going through? They're all practice owners. Great. You know, so those are like two things that are checked off. And so the, again, that courage piece, let's go ahead and reach out. Let's go ahead and talk about how I can help. Um, And so it starts with, again, that clarity. So who are you here to help and what are you going to help them with? Right. And so if you have a solution to that problem, then it makes it so much easier compared to if you are in a place where you're not 100 percent sure, you know, how you help or who you help or why you help or why people should buy from you. That's going to make it really hard for you to even identify, like, what rooms do you need to be in? Right. And so it's really easy as we're going through this to definitely identify what rooms I should be in or what podcasts I should be on or what you know publications I should be part of. The other thing, too, is like our person needs to learn more about business. They need to learn more about leadership. So a lot of the podcasts that I'm on are what about business, about leadership, you know, having these types of conversations because they all need to know and and be empowered when it comes to being a CEO. So since I know really clearly, my team understands very clearly, like what is the problem that we solve and who do we help? It's like on autopilot. So when they're pitching, when they're reaching out, you know, when they're you know, bringing things to my attention, it's all correlated. And then also we look, we use data. You know, that's the other thing a part of it is too, is like the data. So what does the data tell us after either after I'm on a podcast or after I've spoken in a room or after, you know, we are partnering with somebody, what is the data telling us? So that allows for us to make more decisions and what's in alignment. And so you just it's almost like a rinse and repeat type cycle. But again, everything starts with you. So you have to have that clarity first. And then you can just definitely leverage exactly what things are, you know, what happens after Do you get clients, do you get business? Uh, why? Why not? You know, and so it's it's all part of the all part of the process. And I love that because it's the it's that extra layer that definitely takes what you do to the CEO level, right? This is and which I feel like for my clients, at least sometimes that's that missing component. They're so in the weeds of the day to day tasks that have to be done in their business that they forget the growth of their business and they forget the exposure of their business, which is what this is, right? Getting in, in front of other people and having new eyes and new ears on what you do is the growth of the business. But sometimes it's so easy to get bogged down in the daily to-dos, which again goes back to that boundaries piece and empowering your team, right? My favorite saying is always only do what only you can do. Because as the CEO, you should not be answering admin emails. As the CEO, you should not be dealing with a glitch on the website. As the CEO, you should not be dealing with these things. And I, I think a lot of people, especially when they're starting their business, and they most of us start as a one-man or one-woman show at some point, right? 
And I find that most of my clients wait too long to start outsourcing the things that they should not be touching because it is it is absolutely horrendous use of their time and it prevents them from continuing to grow. And then they end up in the cycle of, I would like to grow, but I'm too busy putting out fires so I don't have time to grow. And because I'm not growing, I'm the one who has to continue to put out fires. When instead, what you were just talking about is we have a process for getting in front of new people that we know we can help, which goes back to what you just said. If you're not clear on who you're helping and why, and why you're the person to help them and what their problem is and why you have the solution, then you can't speak to it, which means your message isn't going to land with anybody, which is usually the problem when people can't find new clients, at least in my experience. My clients, when they struggle to find clients, is because they're absolutely not clear on what they actually do and why they're the person to do it which brings us right back to the courage piece and being able to speak about what you do, who you are, and why you're incredible at what you do with courage and conviction because you know you've done the growth part and now you're in a position to lead people in that same direction. So we come full circle in that, which is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it speaks to like my main person on my team right now has been with me. It'll be four years in February. And so part of it was when I first hired her, I hired her before I was even ready. And part of it had to do even with my career. So I did have, you know, that advantage where I knew like I need to get things off my plate in order to move faster. I need to get things off my plate. And so the benefit now, four years later, is she knows me like the back of my hand. You know, she knows our company. She's able to pitch in like she's grown, you know, throughout this time. And so I'm able able to give her, you know, higher level tasks. And so it's all about starting before you're ready and definitely bringing in the people that can be partners for you and actually having like a growth plan. So when she first started, she was more of an assistant, kind of helped with like social media posts. And now she's who I call the director of operations. And so with that, it's been really fun just to watch her transition. It's been really fun to watch her grow. And, you know, and so even as we add to our team, she's the one who helps onboard them. She's the one who helps explain them. And so that way I'm not stuck again in that weeds part. And so you have to always move ahead. So I always say when you're in that CEO seat, you have to be thinking about now, but also you have to be thinking, you know, two years from now, five years from now, like where are we moving towards? And so it's it's a difficult balance, but you're always going to be doing things before you're ready and just get comfortable in that space because it's going to allow for you to definitely move faster when you're trying to grow, for sure. That's so important. And I had to smirk just now because you and I've had literally a parallel journey with who I now call my operations manager. <laughs> you said director of operations, but same thing. And I adore her, but she is my right-hand person. She knows my moods before I know my moods. She can tell where my head's at in the business based on how my <laughs> Slack message to her sounds, right? She has come on board. She's been with me for over two years at this point, but she came on board knowing that I have a growth plan and here's where we're going. And if you're willing to ride this train with me, I'm going to take you all the way to the final destination on this train, right? And she's been open to that. But I think that also goes back to being really confident in your leadership and knowing who you're looking for and not settling for anything less, but also doing it before you're at a place where you need them. I could have continued to manage without her at that point, but I would not be where I am today if I hadn't been very willing to immediately offload and let her be best at what she's best at because she does think what she does, she's better at than I am. 
Like I could do it, but that's not where my energy should go. My energy needs to go into the leadership and the growth and the, you know, thought leadership and authority in the business. And like you said, getting in front of new people and growing from there. So I think a huge piece of all of it is coming back to everything that you said at the beginning with, you have to be courageous to make the moves that put you in the CEO seat, not the moves that put you into the task person seat in your business. Because you can't be when you decide to start a business. You can no longer function like an employee. You now have to function as the CEO, not an employee. Exactly. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> Amazing. Brandy, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today. I'm also super excited to meet somebody else local because I had no idea that you are here in Charlotte. So I think one day you and I are going to just have to meet for coffee and have a non-business business coffee date. Yes, I would love that. Because that's I always love meeting other, especially female entrepreneurs here in town. So thank you for being on with us. Tell my listeners a little bit about what's coming up in your world, if what you help with specifically, where they can plug in, where they can find you. If they want to contact you, give us the rundown. Yeah, absolutely. So my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. And, you know, so you can always find me there at Savvy Clover Coaching. So S-A-V-V-Y-C-L-O-V-E-R Coaching. Also, you can find me on my website at www.savvyclover.com, S-A-V-V-Y-C-L-O-V-E-R.com. And what's waiting there for you is a on-demand training. So if you're looking to scale your practice for growth, sustainability, and profit, then there's nine principles that you definitely need to learn. So if you are listening to this, you're in the healthcare space, or if you're definitely struggling to own your CEO status, then definitely come find me. (laughs) Amazing. And we will have all of that link for you guys in the show notes as well as always. And Brandy, thank you so much for being on. It was a pleasure connecting and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you for listening to the Embodied CEO podcast. To connect with me, Kirsten, head to kirstenscreen.com or find me on Instagram at the Kirsten Screen. My DMs are always open, so drop in and say hi. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share the Embodied CEO podcast. And now go out there and take some action.